You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Since 2009, the Pharmacy Podcast has been leading podcast publications as the insider voice of the pharmacy industry. Explore the profession and business of pharmacy through audio. Join us at PharmacyPodcast.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any of your favorite podcast directories. The business of pharmacy would do better to understand that success is about delivering better health to our patients. For this reason, all pharmacy organizations should develop a persistent spirit of servant leadership and leverage intelligent technology to maximize better outcomes. This is the Rx Safe podcast series brought to you by the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Rx Safe has unwavering core values which guide everything they do every day. They believe in the importance of people above all other aspects of business and aspire to ensure their customers are 100% satisfied. This podcast series is about challenging conventional wisdom, upending the status quo, and developing technology that will define the future of the pharmacy industry. This is the RX Safe podcast series. Learn more at rxsafe.com forward slash podcasts. Hey there, Pharmacy Podcast Nation. We are excited to be back with the RX Safe um, uh, client presentation. It's become an annual thing. It's a celebration of how we've done throughout the year in pharmacy. And it's a time where we need expertise to talk to us about what's happening at the end of the year as pharmacy owners. So one of those things is um, a subject that I keep admitting, and I'm going to admit to you again, Scotty, that... I should not be talking about anything to do with business taxes because that is not my forte. I um I deserve to be out there talking about what pharmacists are doing and the role of pharmacy changing in technology, but I look for the experts to bring us um, expertise on what is um what is the business of pharmacy and this 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 is an important review of what's happening at the end of the year as small business owners important considerations for the end of the year tax planning. This is the time of year where all of you pharmacy owners start thinking, is there any way that I could save some additional money um, end of year tax uh, planning and also the strategy? And we brought some strategists with us today for section 179, describing especially um, how appealing that can be because of small businesses having the ability to deduct the full purchase price of equipment, of software for the end of year um, tax abilities and strategies um, having that equipment uh, be immediately uh, means that you can actually start using earning a, a profit and keep your working capital healthy if purchased with a uh, with a loan or a lease returning to this um, discussion is the one and only scotty sykes uh, cpa with the sykes um, uh, accounting group and you are saturating in the business of pharmacy, uh, pharmacy, Scotty. So I want to welcome you back. Um, it's so fun to be here with you again. I can't believe how fast this year has gone by. It goes by fast. I'll tell you, but, uh, Todd, thank you so much for having us. It's a pleasure always to be on the pharmacy podcast network with you, um, and your listeners. And, um, yeah, you know, it's tax time. Here we are. It's tax planning season. We're gearing up, running numbers all day, every day for our pharmacy clients. And so we're happy to dive into it. We're also welcoming back Bonnie Bond, um, also CPA with the Sykes team. Uh, Bonnie, it was so much fun working with you last time. Welcome back uh, to the show. And I can't wait to dig into this subject with you. Yeah, it's such a fun subject. And like Scotty said, we're doing it. This is what we're doing day in, day out right now during this time of year. Um, Figuring this out for our clients, seeing where they stand and what they can do to save money before the end of December 31st. So right around the corner. The reason why it's fun for you, Bonnie, is you're a big nerd and I'm exactly. going to shout you out. And I'm Completely. a big because I'm a fanboy of pharmacists and I want to <laughs> introduce our next nerd. And this is a big PharmD nerd. He's one of my favorite, uh, Dr. Ken Tai. Um, he has been on the Pharmacy Podcast Network so many different times, bringing us and enlightening, enlightening us with things that are actually happening in the trenches for what is community pharmacy ownership and how he has blown up and expanded his business, 986 Pharmacies in the West, beautiful beautiful West Coast. Um, Dr. Ty, it is so fun to have you back. 
And I want to shout you out because you won an amazing award just recently. And I don't want to pull back. It's like unwrapping Christmas presents. I don't want to talk to our, I want you to, to share with us about that honor and about that award. And um, you're the star of the show today. So Ken, uh, take it away. Well, uh, with that intro, now I feel like it's only going to go downhill. <laughs> but uh, hey, you know what? Again, it was a pleasure to, to be on this podcast once again. I love this podcast. So, Todd, um, thank you for welcoming me back. And of course, uh, great meeting you, Bonnie and Scotty. Um, I think this will be fun. We're talking about taxes and money and savings and everything else. That's kind of music to all independent pharmacy owners' ears. And, um, you know, going back a little bit to what Todd was talking about, um, a little humbling, but uh, I recently got awarded by uh, NCPA, the National Community Pharmacists Association's um, Independent Pharmacist of the Year Award. Um, so um, I honestly never <laughs> expected it, uh, but uh, it, it was a huge honor. I'm very excited to be recognized by fellow colleagues. Um, and uh, yeah, it was very special. Um, I, uh, I had my family there and it was, it was great. Um, recognition. Um, I think more so for my team and for um, the 96 family, because, uh, you know, uh, whenever you, you get recognized for something is never the work of yourself. It's always the work of the team and everybody that that you've gone into the quote-unquote trenches with. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it was it was great. I mean, having a, been a pharmacist for over 20 years now and 17 years in the business, um, it, it does feel really good um, to be in a position where, you know, uh, you, you just think that uh, what you've done is, is meaningful to the communities that you serve. So the great you know honor. You're very modest. Yeah. You're very modest and 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 you're just uh, that's the way that you are, Ken. You're you're a servant leader. And you, I look up to you. I look the way that you treat um, your patients, um, your employees, the empowerment that you give um, to your employees. When I see you walk through conferences and you have your posse with you, the 986 uh, you know, squad, um, they are excited to be there. They're excited to be around you. They're excited. And you can't buy that. You can't make that up where you have people that work for you every day and we can all get sick of each other if we're spending that much time together. And your team loves being around you because you guys are honestly like a family. And I think that it kind of it kind of plays into the truth of what is community pharmacy. That's not only internal to our staff, but it's external in the way that you feel about your community. So I'm glad you're here. Thank you so much. Again, uh, appreciate uh, always uh, hanging out with you. You know, I learned so much from you because you are like the sponge that absorbs all this energy from all these leaders within our profession, and you get to share it with the rest of the country. And um, yeah, just great. I'm just always, it's always a pleasure for me. And it's always an honor for me to hang out with you and, and, and with all your guests, because they totally bring something different that I can learn about every single time. And of course, today, we're talking about, you know, cool stuff like technology, and <laughs> using mean, that as a tax yeah. savings credit. So tax. extremely exciting. So cool. <laughs> at exactly. this time of the year. I'm excited. So I'm going to kick us off. I'm going to come back to Ken because, like I said, you're star of the show. So we want, really want to dig into what it's like to have this opportunity to, to save money for your business so you can apply that money to something else to help your pharmacy grow. But I need to kick it back to Scotty. I need you to set the stage for us, Scotty, and tell us what is Section 179 to as a refresher um, if you haven't heard of that on this um, on the show today. Sure. So Section 179, if... <clears throat> the the short of it is uh, if you buy a piece of equipment or technology that's uh, considered a capital asset, generally that capital asset goes on your balance sheet as an asset. Um, and then the IRS will allow you uh, in the tax code or Congress in the tax code, allow you to write that asset off over a period of time. So it can be three years, five years, 15 years. If it's a building, 39 years. And, what Section 179 does is it allows you, pharmacy owner, to write off that equipment 100% in the year it is put into use. So it's it's a uh, it's a it's designed to encourage investment in technology, encourage investment in equipment to get that write off in the current year versus spreading it out over several years. Um, so 179 is a very powerful tool from a tax planning perspective, um, and you also have. Uh, what what doesn't get as much attention is the bonus depreciation section 168k, which is very similar to bon or section 179, but there's some differences um, uh, that 
you know, hopefully we can maybe chime into later in the in the podcast here. But uh, both of those essentially allow 100% write-off. But again, there's some differences on um, on taking advantage of those. Bonnie, before I jump to Ken, because I want to dig in, because he, you know, I like the setting of the stage from the both of you and Scotty, because you you kind of like give us that evidence-based approach to um, to setting up what is this tax savings? What this what can this do for my business? But Bonnie, you gave a really good example of of an actual case, um, you know, numbers that you used. So, for example, a community pharmacy purchased or financed one hundred sixty five thousand dollars worth of an RX Safe Rapid Pack in in twenty twenty two. So, talk use that as a scenario. I'm I'm a brand new pharmacy owner, or I'm not a brand new pharmacy. I'm a pharmacy owner. I bought this equipment. Tell me, take me down the path of what happens. So maybe let's just pretend that you have $165,000 of projected net income for the year. So to make it math easy for all of us, um, you could essentially purchase a piece of equipment. So in, in this example, maybe an RX safe, that's $165,000 and have the ability to go ahead and write that off. As Scotty mentioned in this first year, if it's put in service before the end of the year um, and deducted immediately. So that would bring your income down to zero taxable income to zero in that very easy scenario. Um, one thing to note, um, what we love about it, you know, I know many people ask us, well, what's the difference if I, it's going to be the same amount of depreciation if I do it over five years, seven years, it's in, and that's correct. It is the same amount of money. Um, but what we're looking at, especially in a pharmacy, is the benefit of, you know, increasing cash flow. So you always want to do everything you can, in our opinion, as you move year after year, is to, to you know, open up cash is king um, to have as much cash flow as you can available for your pharmacy to do what you need to do in your store. Um, so accelerating that depreciation, not paying tax on that money in that first year is is key. One of the first things that um, we want to make sure people understand, especially when you look at a, a you know, a large robot purchase, let's say, um, when we say it has to be in service before the end of the year, it has to be able to, you know, in your store, um, you're able to fill one script with it. And in a robot example, um, you should be in good shape in that scenario. But just merely maybe placing an order, if it's not there by 1231, you're not going to be able to take advantage of this depreciation that we're talking about. So just keep that in mind. You don't have to have paid for it. So, you know, you maybe you just place the order, it's there and it's in service. And you haven't even made a payment on it yet. Yep. Still take that deduction, but um, it's just got to be in service. I get a lot of questions on... Um you know, what kind of tax savings do I, if I buy this robot, what's it going to look like for tax savings? I always just tell folks, you know, find that bracket, maybe you're going to fall in. And then usually a lot of pharmacies are in that top bracket and um, federal and state, maybe around 40%. So if you, you buy a hundred thousand dollar robot, you're looking at $40,000 of tax savings, you know, so that's kind of the rough and rough way of doing that. Okay. So Ken, what, what was that first year that you started utilizing or you had utilized the section 179 um, tax savings? Can you kind of go into that for our pharmacy uh, owner listeners? You know, I, I think this is, uh, was a while ago, actually. I think this is probably, I, I if I remember correctly, um, I started uh, my business about 17 years ago. And I would say that probably within the first three or four years or two years or so, we, we already bought our, our first, you know, um, couple of equipments. And then, then ultimately, um, it just kept on going and escalating from there. And, um, you know, I, of course, being a, you know new to the business world back then, I, I was shocked that something like this existed. <laughs> I was like, mm -hmm. what? <laughs> I mean, if I, if I made $100,000, I could buy a $50,000 equipment, essentially um, write off 50, half of my income and pay, you know, essentially, um, uh, quite honestly, half the taxes. It was uh, something that I didn't even know was uh, available until because you know you don't think about these type of things um, until you go into business and then your accountant starts uh, and then of course the the you know your accountants out there start telling you hey there's opportunities there you know if you're really growing the business and you want and more important than the savings is also um, you know featuring technology that can help you improve operations efficiency and the ability to improve the the, the business as a whole I think that probably is more important than even the tax savings as far as I'm concerned because. Ultimately, you know, the equipments that we use, um, you know, they, they're able to quite honestly change the dynamics of the operation. 
And I think that that's the key thing that I take away from it. And so uh, the, the the tax uh, incentives and, and the savings is just a, a bonus, like a cherry on or icing on top of the cake for me. Um, I, I was able to deploy my staff to do other things, um, including, you know, better patient care, yes. better customer service, um, instead of doing more mundane things like, you know, putting stuff uh, like a you know bottle or meds into another bottle, things like that. I really feel that automation can really do a, a play a huge part in um, helping us to uh, streamline, you know, our, our day-to-day operation. It just makes the whole entire work environment better too, because now they're doing things that are a lot more enjoyable, you know, that are much more meaningful to them. And if I could just add, you know, Ken, you bring up a great point. Um, You know, we're we're seeing so many of our clients that are dealing with staffing issues in their communities and keeping good people on staff and people, um, you know, especially for a a good wage that's fair for them and fair for the pharmacy. Um, And so this is a way we're seeing a lot of our clients, um, you know, with these robots and some of this technology is to... um, it could be more efficient and effective to have those things in place and allow, like, like you just mentioned, it's fantastic. Some of the, your better employees move them to other areas of the pharmacy that they can be of more benefit. Um, yeah. And so that's where technology is just huge that we're seeing in pharmacy these days. And actually funny, you said my first piece talked about technology because Arctic safe, I think when they first launched, uh, I think we're, we're one of the few first pharmacies to actually have them on board. And I still remember driving down to San Diego and looking at their first piece of sort of prototype equipment and then ultimately putting it into our independent pharmacy. Um, and it was really exciting because, you know, I think they were looking to, to really get into the independent pharmacy marketplace. And then um, we were able to collaborate and get that, you know, going. And so it was really exciting and um, to, to be able to, um, you know, learn about new equipments and, and um their ability to kind of kind of revolutionize our you know our, our place in, in the uh, you know kind of pharmacy evolving world of pharmacy. So I um, mean you're right. I mean staff is hard to come by these days, and yeah. to have a uh, a better working condition for them to do things that they want to do, and to um, supplement that with technology, which let's be upfront works 365 days a year, does yeah. not take vacations, um, no holidays. Maybe a sick day every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there are a few. There are a few, but I will say this: um, for the most part, there are um, pretty good uh, sort of uh, support, so that uh, the downtime typically is not as bad. Um, it's not as bad, you know, as, right. as you would imagine. And um, I, I will say this: I mean, you know, uh, uh, you know, no equipment is perfect, and so there are um, certain things that you need to do to keep up and maintain, you know, those equipments. And so it does require a little bit of, you know, interaction and support from your own staff as well as from the maintenance team. But I'd say overall, I mean, I, I, I mean, I think most, I have most, a lot of my stores are probably about eighty percent automated, um, and they use actually not just one piece of equipment, but multiple equipments. And so these are all things that I think are great. And I think um, when you say that, I, I'm assuming that you know, and I, I'm not, of course, a tax expert, but I've done so much of this that you know, there's also vehicles, right, that can be utilized for these credits and uh, computer <laughs> equipments, uh, uh, software. Um, obviously, yep. these huge equipments are are, are very important because um, they're much higher in cost, which allows for much higher tax savings. So it all goes hand in hand. But there's just so many different ways that you can look at this and, and uh, maximize the opportunities that are out there. Uh, by the government to help small businesses like ourselves grow, um, to give us a platform to have a slight advantage um, in um, in, in uh, be more efficient and be more competitive. So, you know, whenever there's an advantage as a business owner, you take it, you know, you run with it and you just uh, milk it, you know. So um, I'm, I'm just glad that we're, we have a forum like this to talk about it so that we can share this with the rest of our community. Absolutely. Scott, give us some guidelines um, around this, you know, these tax savings and kind of like the, the engine under the hood of this, of this system, um, kind of expand, um, kind of what Ken was talking about, um, you know, what, what qualifies, what equipments, is it software? Is it, what about depreciation mm-hmm. and equipment? So give us kind of the guidelines. Sure. <clears throat> so I, you know, I agree with Ken hundred percent here, you know, as pharmacies, um, require more of their services outside of filling scripts. I mean, you need to add technology. You need to add these automation tools to your pharmacy equipment. Um, And so take advantage of the tax law to do that while it's here. Um, But for Section 179, really, 
um, software counts, computer equipment counts, robotics count, some uh, improvements can count in that 100% write-off. And when you start getting into some improvements and even looking at your building, that's where Section 179 and bonus depreciation can play a huge uh, tax planning role. Um, when you think in terms of a building, uh, you know, if, if you own the pharmacy building, let's say it's a $500,000 building, you have to write that off over 39 years, which is a very long time. But if you do what they call a cost segregation study, for example, that takes that building and breaks it down into individual components, the cabinets, the plumbing, the electrical, the floors, and each of those individual components goes into these different depreciation buckets, which then allow you to use Section 179 bonus depreciation to get 100% write-off. Um, and so you can take a $500,000 building depreciated over 39 years, and maybe you're able to depreciate $300,000 of that building in one year because it's falling into the buckets of 179 and 168 uh, eligibility. So you're talking huge tax savings if you're a, if you own your building in your pharmacy, for example. Um, and um, so you know that's really where 179 is going to come into play. But again, really all equipment's going to qualify. Vehicles is a big one. Obviously, we hear about a lot. The IRS actually, Congress wants you to buy those heavy vehicles over six thousand pounds. Mm -hmm. the, the SUVs, the trucks, the vans, those will allow you for 100% write-off. Vehicles under 6,000 pounds are limited with one section, uh, section 179. Um, so if you're thinking of any vehicles, you know, consider those larger 6,000-pound SUVs, believe it or not, um, for from a tax perspective. Um, business use. Vehicles. Yep, it's got to be business <laughs> use. You know, everything's got to be put in use. It's got to be business use. Absolutely. Um, it can. It uh, does can, not have, have to be the, paid for. You can, can have to cancel. Lease. He has to cancel that limousine that he was thinking of buying. To take him back in, back oh, in front of his head. It was, was, was 5,000, uh, you know, 980 uh, pounds only. So I have to. We've seen, <laughs> we've seen RVs during uh, COVID. We had RVs with COVID shots going around. We've seen airplanes. We've seen Porsches. <laughs> I wouldn't go with the Porsche. You know, the IRS is going to yeah. question that all day. stick out a little. But, um, yeah, I mean, vehicles can be a definitely um, a, a, a Take advantage of it for sure. So, Bonnie, um, I'm thinking about clients that they were profitable and they owe tax. Um, are you recommending that they kind of consider this tax advantage for 2022? It's an interesting question you ask. We get that a lot. You know, people, we we have calls and um, video conferences with our clients about their tax planning and they, you know, they love to say, what can I buy? Do I need to buy anything? Um, and we talk about this a lot. You know, economics comes first. So, we would never want to, to advise someone to just go buy something to, to buy something. So cash again is king. Um, it's if you need it. Obviously, if it's something or something maybe you might not need, let's say you know you're gonna need it in February and it's November. Yep. And it makes sense to save because you know it's something you're gonna buy, then let's let's go ahead and do that. Um but so it really all boils down to that. I mean, we have lots of clients we talk to and you know, we we say do you have anything you need to buy? I mean, you've got all this net income and, and they'll look at you and say, we are, we're good. You know, <laughs> another, another point so, I want to bring up though, Bonnie is sometimes we see pharmacies with maybe a break even year. They've already mm -hmm. done some tax planning to reduce that net income. And, but they do need that, that robot. Right. Um, and so they're like, well, can I create a loss? If I, can I use 179 to create a loss? So section 179 has limits on creating losses whereas bonus depreciation does not. So that's a scenario where you might say, all right, well, let's look at the 100% write-off with the bonus depreciation and create a loss, carry that loss to our, our 1040 individual income tax return and use it to offset our income from other sources, W-2 or, or whatever. So, you know, there's some, that's where it starts to get into some planning areas. But if you have net income, break even, or just a little bit, I mean, you can still take advantage of these tools to maybe even create a loss, which is again a can be powerful tax planning for yeah, for a tax planner. Yeah, I don't want to put you on the spot, Ken, but you are kind of like I said, star of the show, and that comes with good things and bad things. And I start becoming nevy. But um, just for example purposes, how much money did you save due to that 
Section 179 when you leveraged it and used it? Well, are you talking about this year or, or, or at the time of the, the first purchase? I'll make sure I know the reference. Here. Yeah, let, let's get let's get the biggest one. We got, we, we're a hopeful group here. So <laughs> let's talk about like the time that you leveraged it and you save you know, the most money. Wow. Okay. That's a very good question. I've never been asked <laughs> this ever. Um, but I do think that, um, you know, I'm, 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 I would have to kind of think about this a little bit. I think this past year um, or like last year, for example, um, I think we purchased somewhere close to about, I would say easily, um, just pieces of equipment, uh, somewhere over about two, $3 million. That's incredible. Nice. Um, over all our stores. Um, and, and that's multiple different types of equipments at multiple different sites. We have a metric that we use and um, literally every store that I have, there's pieces of equipment that I know we're going to need down the line. So I essentially build out a store with that in mind. So essentially that particular area will be left empty with the footprint of the actual equipment that I'm looking to buy and I'm you know, usually pretty familiar with. And then um, I would even have all the specs there in terms of, you know, the RJ45 plugs and the, and the connection plugs so that when I need it, I just have to pay for it and basically scooch it right in there, plug it in, and I'm ready to rock and roll. And so um, it's always been thought out and planned out in that methodical way. So as essentially when the time comes, especially at this time of the year, well, I try to give it a little more leeway. So October, November, I make calls to all my guys and say, hey, I need stuff, guys. Can you make sure to get it delivered and, and, and installed prior to December 31st? And of course, they go cray cray and they just start, ah, let's get the orders in. And then they just uh, start getting you know all the ship dates ready to go so that I can get it in prior to. And I 100% agree with you, Bonnie. And, and, and that is the fact that I never buy stuff just for the sake of buying it. You know, I mean, I think that's just not a very smart business decision. But um, you do have to plan and, and, and be ready for the next stages and growth of and timelines of your business as they develop. And of course, there's a need. And plus, like I said, I look at the tax savings as just a huge bonus. And if I can time it right, then I can get the best of both worlds, right? And that's kind of how I see it. Um, usually, it's not likely that I'll, I'll take it as a loss, but there are times when I might do that. Um, but at the end of the day, usually, if I'm at the stage where I need to buy equipment or I'm planning to buy equipment, I already know the trajectory of the company, and I already know that I'll need it. And it's going to help me build. It's going to help me, obviously, incur tax savings on top of it. Um, so yeah, last year was huge. I mean, I probably utilized that tax savings to the max at every single location we had. And so I do know when I say that number, you're like, wait a minute, you kind of you know exceeded the number, but we have different entities and different corporations. Right. You break it all up and it's you know, quite honestly like endless how much you can save because mm -hmm. you buy a piece of equipment, it's $100,000, dollars $200,000 and you spice it up over four or five different, six different entities is nothing. You know, you could easily write that right. off. Bonnie, I'm thinking of, you know, Ken's testimony as a business owner and the impact that this had on his business opens up opportunities to hire people. It opens up uh, opportunities to implement a new marketing strategy. It opens up other things that have nothing to do with what it was intentionally used for at the time it was. So he's really giving us some major pros as to how to leverage Section 179 as a pharmacy owner. Let's talk about the cons because you 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 see everything. You're the Jedi Knight of uh, <laughs> of tax savings. So and and you're protecting our our pharmacy owners. So talk to us about some of the cons of of the 179 deduction. So I would think the only really con that comes to mind, and Scotty may have something to add, um, we do see in some of our well-performing stores um, with, you know, that higher net income that need those deductions. And so they, you know, it, it is the same amount, but you are accelerating it with 179. So you you come to a point, okay, so it's the next year and you have no, you have no other assets that you're depreciating anymore. So there's no depreciation expense. At some point, if you stop buying something, there's not going to be that expense, that deduction there. Um, so Pim made a great point about just really understanding what your stores need. Um, and this is the perfect time of year to do it because you can't do it obviously in January or in February, March, when your CPA calls you and says, Oh, we have all this tax. It's too late to buy something at that point. So it's really important to have your numbers in order. And that's what we preach. Um, to all of our clients, you know, we've got to have everything at this time of year projected out pretty well 
to know exactly where you stand so that we can work with with you to understand what we can do if we need to do anything or maybe we don't or maybe like Scotty mentioned there's things that if it's something you definitely need down the road we can go ahead and create that loss and those sorts of things but as far as a downside that would be the only thing I could think of is just that you know you continue to accelerate and so at some point there's going to be a year there if you don't buy something there's not going to be that that deduction isn't going to be there anymore. Yeah, Bonnie, I, I I love that point because there's a multiple stores that we've hit that point, right? I mean, there's yeah. only I mean, most pharmacies are probably a 1,500, 2,000 square foot footprint, right? And there's only so much you can squeeze into that, you know, size of a, a location and uh, you're going to run out. And so when you run out, it's kind of like, oh my God, what can I do? All of a sudden I, I have uh, these huge tax liabilities and you have nothing to offset it. You know, and, and it's a great problem. Just, to have. I mean, I'm not complaining. I mean, uh, Jesus, this is a, I think it's a good problem to have. <laughs> it's a great problem. But well, uh, Ken, you can just go buy another pharmacy. Then we can yep. find some tax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard there's about yeah. you know some really large six thousand pound Porsches too. So those are the things <laughs> I, I would look at to help. He forgot to mention boats. We we used to. I think we've seen a few boats, boats over the years. You know, yeah. uh, yachts, uh, airplanes. Um, that's the next phase of, of the uh, write-off uh, uh, sort of paradigm that I'm working on right now. <laughs> no, but at least we. we jokingly say that but the reality is it's true because when you get used to something and it's so good and uh you all of a sudden don't get it anymore because you've maxed it out and you start running out of ideas uh, on how we can uh quite frankly minimize those 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 tax liabilities it, it gets a little bit um I guess you're not used to it. And then and it gets a little stressful because you're like, oh my God, you know, this is what I need to really have to pay. So it just goes back to the testament that if you have an opportunity to do this, you you got to take advantage of it because it's a great thing. It's a great thing. And then when you don't get it anymore, you max it out. That's when you start like really missing it. Um, and then like you said, Scotty, the only other way is to continue to open pharmacies because that's, <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's a huge loss to offset some of those gains. And uh, that's unfortunately, not fortunately, that's a fortunate thing because that that's probably one of the huge propellers of my growth because I need to constantly find losses to offset the gains so that I can, you know, ride it out. Uh, as a matter of fact, it was interesting. I talked to a student of mine. Um, uh, there was a few years where I felt kind of like, oh, wow, I'm good. I'm happy. Things are good. And I stopped growing and building stores. And literally that time period, I suffered a lot of, well, tax issues because all of a sudden I was like, uh, wait a minute, there's nothing to, to write off these gains. You know, what am I going to do? So I went back on the saddle and just went back to start building stores and growing stores. And then things were settled out again because we can offset those, those gains, you know, so very interesting. I mean, it's an interesting world. Yeah, there's. There's a lot you can do with uh, a new pharmacy purchase with depreciation, for example. I mean, there's a lot you can do. There. There's a lot of planning opportunities, and and I'll say, you know, if you're if you're a pharmacy owner out there and you're constantly facing the tax man um, and opening your wallet year after year, and you're searching for deductions, I mean, you, there's some things you could probably um, look further into retirement plan options, like high powered retirement plan options, like pension plans, charity planning. So there's some high next level stuff you you certainly should be looking at um, yeah. if you're in that position. But um, definitely 179 is that low hanging fruit. And I would say one of the cons I see, Todd, is is the vehicles. You know, sometimes those smaller vehicles are limited, which can be a, a pain um, for a lot of pharmacy owners that do a lot of deliveries. Um, and then next year, that bonus depreciation I was talking about goes to 80% right off, not 100%. So that's a change that's coming up. And um, if you're looking at that cost segregation study, if you own the building your pharmacy is in, um, you probably should take into consideration that change that's coming with the 80% bonus depreciation. And if you've owned that building for 10 years, for example, and you've never done the study, you can actually go back and run and get one of these cost segregation studies, for example, um, and, and play catch up on all the depreciation you missed. Um, and then pick it all up in, in this current tax year, for example, I keep mentioning that cost segregation study because that is taking advantage of section 179 and the bonus depreciation hundred percent. I mean, you are, you're it's maxing amazing. that thing out. Yeah. yeah. So I yeah. have a question, um, Scotty. So, we're experiencing um, the the dirty word um, that is that is happening in the United States, and that is inflation. Um, and the money that we 
have right now in our disposal and the abilities to use it to run our businesses, um, it's it's stressed out because of uh, this inflation. So is there is there to I mean, you and I talked one year ago almost to the day about this in 2021. How about reflecting as a CPA, uh, someone guiding our pharmacy owners um, and, and thinking about the difference that we're facing today in our economy and what this economy is really like compared to last year? Should there be a little extra thought around this to get as much savings as possible based on inflation? Well, absolutely. Inflation is somewhat like a tax. You know, it's it's a tax on the consumer. So um, it's additional, you can look at it as additional tax on the consumer. So anything you can do to free up that cash flow in your pharmacy is going to be vital. And these things are, are very important that we've been talking about here. Um, not to mention the changes with DR fees coming down the road, where they're going to be all um, coming, you know, was it January of 2024? You're going to have the retro and then at the point of sale. So you got to start thinking, thinking ahead here on building that cash flow, getting that current ratio to two and a half to one or three to one, if you can, um, and building that cushion in your pharmacy. It's, it's, it's th this next year is going to be big and how pharmacies are going to get there is really, as Ken was mentioning, um, not just filling scripts, but, you know, doing things outside the box in the pharmacy, nutraceuticals, supplements, you know, testing, whatever it is to get that cash-based revenue, uh, grow those margins, grow that bottom line, get cash in the door, stop relying on those third-party PBMs where you're not getting paid for 21, 30 days. Um, you know, there, this this next year is going to be a big year. And um, with all of that being said, in addition to the inflation uh, variable that's out there. So exactly, the, the anything you can do today is, is, is vital. So I... I flip this back on myself because you, as as you were talking, Bonnie, I'm like, whoa, wait a second. I just dropped a tremendous amount of money into this studio. So I just thought, wow, 179, right <laughs> like I'm going to be able to experience this too. So, um, you know, we, we're preparing for 2023 and content of um, content expansion for, for community pharmacy and our long-term care. And I'm thinking of, that too. So Ken is interesting. He has 986 does several things that are focused on the, the markets and market opportunity around pharmacy. Obviously, he leads with his community pharmacies, but he also does some long-term care. Pharmacists are getting into specialty. Sometimes there's a 340B entities. Uh, Bonnie, tell us a little bit about if Ken decides to do another pharmacy that's not a community pharmacy is this another way to leverage 179 in say 2023 and 2024 absolutely i mean any new um well i should start by saying you know i work with a lot of startups so new stores um again like scotty mentioned earlier when you have 179 can be um limited to income in, in a lot of cases um, but there is still special depreciation out there. So with a lot of startups and new stores, there are a lot of deductions in those first years already available before you even get the depreciation to kind of keep things at break even. Or a lot of startups take 18 months to get profitable because of those things, tax deductions, I should say. Yeah. Um, but um, in some scenarios, and probably with Ken, I get a feeling that he's uh, pretty good at this. Um, you know, those startups can can go, you know, quickly as far as um, growth and the ability to need more cash um, and to be profitable. And so those first years, um, it's great to be able to have this, to be able to take advantage of the Section 179 um, as well. And Ken, as fast as you can start leveraging the technology to generate or save operational revenues or generate operational revenues, um, the faster, the better. So um, what was your you know, give us what was your kind of ballpark estimate of value in developing and implementing and, and working into uh, your workflow, the rapid pack, and then not the tax saving, but let's talk about the ability to generate profit off of that new piece of, a, of equipment by leveraging it correctly. Share with our, our 
our um, pharmacy owners um, what your experiences was with with RxSafe. Well, first and foremost, I mean, I, I think that uh, um, you know we we have uh, multiple pieces of equipment from um, RxSafe, and including you know what we call the twin towers, uh, the, the 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 you know the dispensing machine, and whatnot, and. Um, you know, I think it's always a little bit, there's two folds, you know, one on the technology front, there's always staff that's a very, um, uh, I guess they're, they're a little concerned about their job security when you bring on technology. Um, and so there was a little bit of fear. I, I'm not going to uh, lie about the fact that, uh, you know, they, they feel insecure, you know, and, and then in the job market that's kind of, you know, kind of up in the air. Um, I think that's one aspect that we had to really train and, and, and educate our staff on um, that, uh, you know, we're, this is not meant to replace you, it's meant to deploy you. And I think that's a key word that I've used throughout, you know, this whole time frame as I, you know, initiated and started to implement technologies into our, our pharmacies. Um, and then once they saw the effects of that, then they really loved it. I mean, it's one of those things where you don't know it till you try it. Once you try it, you can't live without it. Mm. And so um, once they got a chance to, to use it, they're no longer afraid of it. They, you know, everyone's always fear of the, have a fear of the unknown. So once they got comfortable with it and they understood that, hey, this helped me to, to, to you know, to, to get my work done faster, more accurately. Um, there's, a, you know, patient safety concerns that were alleviated through this. Um, and then they were able to spend that time now maybe talking to a patient, working with us on different initiatives to help grow the pharmacy, um, to create better workflow. Um, then they loved it because now they're not doing the mundane things and they're just like excited about a completely new sort of uh, job description of what they can do. So, and then of course, uh, from a, a overall workflow perspective, everyone started to, to understand the, the needs and, and the efficiency that were built into the equipments. So those are things that take a little bit of time, a lot of education, um, a lot of uh, massaging between the, um, the owner and the pharmacist versus the staff, um, just to make sure they know that, um, you know, the intentions are never to get rid of them, but to um, put them in a better position uh, to be successful in the jobs that they do. And I think it has definitely proven that. Um, because um, anyone that's walked in my pharmacy will know that uh, it is not a, a pharmacy that's, that's not well-staffed. Let me just put it that way. I think there's a, a wrong sort of perception that, oh, because I have a machine, then I walk into a pharmacy, and it's just empty, right? That's not the case. Now, it might not be the case for everybody, but I can definitely speak on my own personal behalf. Our pharmacies are stacked. I have a pharmacy, uh, my first pharmacy in El Monte, um, that... Uh, has an RX safe and has other pieces of equipment, uh, an adjunct to the RX safe, uh, actually two pieces of RX safe equipment. So it's it's stacked. It's about 80, I'd say minimally 80% automated. There is 40 plus staff members in a 1500 square foot location. So you cannot tell me that wow. that is not a well-staffed pharmacy. <laughs> yeah. you know? um, but yet all the filling and the prescription bile pudding and all that stuff is automated. And so everyone's like, what the heck are you doing, Ken? Isn't the whole purpose to cut staff? And to... no, I said, no, the whole purpose is to increase patient care and patient interaction time. I want there to be more interaction time between patients that walk in, the ones that call us through the phone, um, whatever it is. And so they love what we do. They continue to come back. And yet that pharmacy is pumping out, you know, 1,100, 1,500 prescriptions a day. You know, and and, and yeah. so it, it's just amazing what technology can do to allow you to expand and grow, because I guarantee you there's no way in heck we can grow to that rate in that little type, that little small footprint without technology. And there's no way we can provide the type of patient care that we provide without the number of staff. So they're equally as important. And when they once they understand it, and once they see that, then they embrace it. They love it. Um, and and uh, it just continues, it, it just basically, basically becomes an integral part of life. It's like a cell phone. Who can live without a cell phone? And yeah. then once they, they, one, exactly, right? So once they Not have me. this equipment. No. I know, right? Uh, yeah, my, my old uh, dial-up. Um, so a uh, little uh, rotary phone. Well, I'm no, going to have to steal that, Ken, the word deploy. You know, even in the yeah. accounting world, we have so much available now for automation and um you know, things to, to make things easier there on the, those first line, um, kind of job options. And, you know, we've had some pushback from staff too, is you know, they feel the same way, you know, they feel like, you know, you're going to, you start using this program and then I'm out and like, no, there's so much that we can now move you to do. Um, that's much more beneficial. 
Yeah. I want to see Ken's store. I want to visit this store. I want to see this. That sounds like anytime. Um, you know, we have uh, so many different operations, uh, long-term care, like Todd talked about our specialty, our little, even community pharmacies, everyone comes in. They think it's either a bank or a meat market. As a matter of fact, our staff came in last week. Yeah. And, and they, they could not even walk through our, 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 our uh, 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 break room. I mean, I'm sorry, the lobby, because there's so many people there uh, coming in for shots, coming in to pick up the prescription. He literally had to say, hey, can like he had to dodge people to try to like get through. And he's like, oh, my <laughs> God, this is like and he works for us. Right. He's like, I had to. It was an adventure to get from that. What? 50 foot area, a hundred foot area of the, of the lobby into our pharmacy. And of course, once it gets to the pharmacy, it's another story because there's 40 plus people inside that little area. So it's it's amazing, um, um, you know what technology can do. And I'm, by the way, I'm not happy about the fact that we're so squished. Where I'm really looking to expand and to move to larger locations. But you know, it's one of those things where it's a beauty of growth, right? Once you're in the position and you're growing, when you first start a business, you want to have it kind of small to lower your risk because you don't want to pay all that rent and you're, you know, of course, risk of failure. But once you do well, then it's like Jesus, I don't have enough space. You know, how can I expand? How can I grow? How can I buy buildings so that I can essentially do these studies to essentially write off all this gains and it's exciting times i mean i think that uh, you know um, one of the other messages that hopefully i'm you know uh sending out there is that there's opportunity in independent pharmacy and there yep. and there's there's hope Absolutely. out there there's too much doom and gloom and people saying how life sucks and we can't do this we can't do that um you know we're one of i, I would just be the first testament to tell you there's opportunity um you just have to be willing to work for it you have to be open-minded you can't go in there with just thinking that hey this is how the old way of things are done and it's not working um you have to go in there and be open um we're as a small pharmacy group one of the largest vaccinators of covid um in in uh in, in la county which is crazy we think we did over three hundred thousand vaccinations um for a county which is you know la county is pretty big but one of the largest in la county is an independent provider i'm sure it might be even across the country i don't know that um but i would say that we're pretty dang close um, and uh, it's just exciting. It just goes to goes back to this whole premise that, um, you know, when you you utilize all the tools and, and all the opportunities available to you, whether it's through tax savings, through automation, um, through deployment of staff to do more patient care, um, that it, it really helps to build the business. So. Absolutely. I would 100% agree with Ken here on the opportunity in pharmacy. I mean, that open mind mindset is is key we see pharmacies all over the country with an open mind they seen that this is the biggest opportunity they've ever seen in pharmacy being you know being able to transform into healthcare centers of their communities i mean that is a great opportunity how exciting is that if you're a pharmacy owner i i did just it gets me excited i'm yeah. I'm, I'm not even there so um Great. We were having that exact conversation with some of our um, clients the other day that have really gone outside of the box. I mean, and that's what it's about. You know, you're an independent pharmacy owner. You're not a big box chain down the street. So why are you different? And it's really about, in my opinion, becoming that wellness center. And I love what you said, Ken, about having staff that's available to, to have those conversations and be out front and do that. Because it's not about just picking up a script. It's about, you know, this particular pharmacist is talking about, you know, I can look at the script and see that this script is probably going to give them a headache or a stomach ache or whatever. And just being able to grab them when they come in to get that and say, hey, why don't you take some of this with you and maybe get some of this? And this is going to help what could possibly happen. You know, it's just things you, you just don't think about. It's that service level, that wellness, um, that ability to have those conversations with staff is fantastic. Well, I just want to ask one question. Bonnie, Scott, are you guys sure you guys don't have an honorary farm D somewhere? Because it sounds like a pharmacist. <laughs> oh, we, uh, we just talked to pharmacists so all day, you know? Yeah. That's so. That's great. I, look, I don't, look, I tell folks, I don't fill prescriptions. I'd kill somebody. No. You don't need to be doing <laughs> the accounting in the back office. See? But it does make sense as being a patient. You know, I've never walked in. I go to an independent pharmacy. I mean, they're great. Um, but they've never grabbed me and said, you know, to look ahead and say, oh, I see what you're getting ready to start taking. That's going to be rough for this reason or that reason. Maybe think about this, that, or the other. Um, just as a small example, um, you know, stepping outside of the box, doing, you know, again, wellness. Um, and having that relationship and that touch with that, you 
Actually, you know, it's so fun. We're talking about these write-offs, and it actually, I didn't even think about this, but we started a new program. Um, it's called RX96 Hope, in which we're actually providing, um, you know, uh, essentially, it's a mobile clinics for the homeless. Yeah, I'm sure you've heard in California, there's quite a bit of, uh, of the um, underserved and homeless population. And we're actually buying an RV, which, again, I think is over 6,000 pounds, so that we can actually exactly. utilize it and retrofit so that they actually go in and, again, retrofit additional tax savings right there, right there. <laughs> so that we can actually go out there into the community yep. and serve them and, and, and you know provide TB testing, COVID uh, vaccinations, uh, mental health screenings, um, you know even housing, maybe a, a referral assistance and even uh, you know might be connecting with different nonprofits to provide this care. And so again, you know you're doing things for the community, but then yet you're also able through these you know 179 sections 179 programs, be able to maximize the tax savings to allow for these initiatives to occur. Because otherwise, it's really hard. Let's be very right, honest, right? right? Start the first two years, like you said, 18 years break even, um, or, or whatever that time period is. I, I usually just add, estimate, you know, 18 months to, to, to 24 months is the toughest. And I, I do know that most businesses fail in those 24 months because they cannot make it. Once they get over it, then life is actually okay. You know, you can sort of wave the storm and make it work. But those first 24 months is very critical for the survival of the business. And I'm just very um, grateful that, that, that we have these type of offerings through our tax IRS system that allows us to um, have a greater chance as a small business owner to be able to go out there and, and make it work, you know, so. Scotty, I actually have a question because you did this for us last year. So I, I kind of want to jump into this and that is, any of the changes that took took place between you know this time last year and now, and the reason why I ask that is because um, in in our notes in preparing for the interview, we were talking about being negatively impacted by DIR fees uh, that are expected to start or kind of a new phase of them in 2024. Can you kind of um, provide some cash flow management ideas uh, for our audience that? that feel that Section 179 may allow to diminish that um, cash requirements in 2023 for both income tax and then, of course, quarterly estimates? Well, you know, it kind of follows along the whole thing we've been saying here today. You know, you, taking advantage of the tax code is, is, is crucial because you're able to keep that cash in your bank account. And when we're talking about pharmacies, cash is king. I mean, it is, you got to have it. So take advantage of these tax laws, do everything you can, get your financials in order. Um, you know, we're, we have a strong fundamental belief here at Sykes & Company that you got to have your books in order. Uh, you got to have the foundations in place in, your, in, in the back office there. Then you can run these projections, run the tax plan, see what your options are, see what strategies you have, because we want to lower that tax liability as much as possible, because the government is, is your silent partner in your business. So we want to do everything we can from keeping the payout to, to, silent, to your silent partner there um, and build that cash flow in your pharmacy, uh, whether you want to expand, whether you want to prepare your or build up your balance sheet, the strength of your balance sheet, the strength of your liquidity in your pharmacy to deal with these DR fee changes or what's coming down the road. So, you know, leveraging the tax law is going to allow you to to hopefully uh, play a little part in doing that. Excellent. And there hadn't really been any changes with <clears throat> depreciation laws. Well, that's what I was. I have yeah, a follow-up question because you mentioned yeah. this again. the The quick difference, uh, the difference between Section One Seventy Nine and that bonus depreciation. Mm -hmm. The quick difference, the big difference is going to be the states, how the states handle One Seventy Nine versus bonus. You know, states don't always follow federal. Okay, so it makes our job really easy. So, so you, you got to deduction on federal, but you can't do it on yeah. the state. <laughs> so you got to know how your state, you know, it might make sense where the state doesn't recognize, but $25,000 of one seventy nine, like here in North Carolina. So you have to add back, you know, the rest of it. So bonus may be different. So you might want to take the bonus depreciation to get the hundred percent write off for federal and state. Mm -hmm. So state differences is key. The write off uh, to create losses. If that's part of your planning, the write off to create losses uh, is a big key difference between 179 and bonus. Um, but 
Yeah, and, and there's some other technical rules in there. You know, you once yep. you you know once you elect bonus, you kind of have to use bonus for all the other assets in the same bucket, if you will. But um, those would be the two major things, and and the states often get overlooked. You know, make sure what, what's going on on the state side um, is part of your planning as well, because again, some of those states don't recognize federal law. So the savings is different for my state tax versus my federal tax. It could, it could certainly be. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Bonnie, what is this? Give us some slight differentiations between the two. What the state and federal. And for the tax savings too, the 179. Well, he's just mentioning that, you know, like his example, there's a state like with North Carolina, for example, they only allow 25,000. Okay. That's right. Scotty, right. For state. Mm -hmm. So you might have taken, 200,000 on your federal return. Um, but as you would have deduction. to add back as a deduction, but you would have to add back that difference on the state. Okay. So, I mean, and, it's just something you gotta, you gotta know about. The state, you, this, yeah. The state's not going to let you lose it, but they're going to say, all right, you got to add back and then you deduct the add back over five years. Yeah. So you don't lose it, time. but you know, you, you got to think about these state things for sure. So planning that also, is important. Well, yeah. that also brings up the pass through into the election. <laughs> you know, we can get we can start going down the tax planning <laughs> rabbit hole here, but um anyway, I'm not gonna get down that hole. <laughs> I will I will make one comment, Scotty. I, I love how you uh said that the IRS is our silent partner. I never really used the word partner when I talk about the IRS, but, uh, <laughs> like it or not, they yeah, are yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Like it or not, he's your partner. You know, yep. <laughs> the one that uh, you know uh, uh, keeps taking my money. <laughs> the world, the world's worst creditor. Yeah, exactly. I, I actually, creditor is really what I usually call them. <laughs> so I'll bring up just one point. This is very elementary and easy, but uh, something I thought about. We have a lot of questions a lot of time about leases. So sometimes you can get into maybe these big equipment purchases, and and you're offered a lease um, scenario. So that's different when it comes to depreciation, 179. Um, now, if it's a capital lease, which means you're going to own it, purchase it for a dollar or whatever at the end of the process and it's yours forever, 179 depreciation, all of that is fine. Um, but if it's an actual lease, those items that you're leasing, you don't get depreciation expense right. on. But those are just written off. Each month you pay that lease, that, that expense is each, you know, if it's $500 a month, it's just a straight expense, lease expense. It's, it's a rent expense, so to speak. So yeah, you make sure you understand those leases. Um, know what you got. Because yeah. a lot of times the the interest rate's hidden in those leases. So you got to know what you're paying in, in, in terms of that. But also understand if it's, if it, is it a capital lease where I can write off this whole piece of equipment now in this tax year? Or is it written in terms of I'm renting this equipment and I'm only going to write off the rent the expense that I'm paying every month. So if you're planning, if you're renting a hundred thousand dollar piece of equipment um, and you're not able to write it off because it's just a regular lease, you know, you're going to not see that tax benefit um, by any means. So um, definitely understand those leases for sure. Good point, Bonnie. Yeah. And actually most of the equipments that we use are capital leases where it's a $1. Yeah. So, and and that's another thing to, to think about when you're talking about, Cash is king and, you know, increasing cash flow is, um, you know, some of these capital leases, you can, if you, you know, definitely can be beneficial if the interest rate is is fair and we see some of them at, you know, very fair and, and low interest rates. Um, over time, I mean, if you're paying for it monthly over a certain period of time, that's another way to save some cash versus you know, take it all that cash out of your bank account to pay for it up front. Yeah, and that's the and that's the beauty of these capital leases. To be very honest with you, when I first learned of it, I was un, like in disbelief. I was like, "What? I can buy yeah. the whole thing, but then I could like pay this in five years." Yep. It was like a, it was like a no brainer. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, because you're just having the tax savings, and then you're also saving on the, that like, initial oh, cash outlay isn't there. So yeah. it's a it's just amazing, very beneficial. And, and, yeah, companies like Arc Safe and a lot of nation pieces company that equipment companies they are so good with understanding these tax laws mm-hmm. in terms of how to make sure to 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 you know uh, make sure that you're you're going to max out the benefits of these equipments uh, both on the you know user 
perspective as well as on a tax perspective. And I've learned so much from them because I think they they have folks like yourself that probably, you know, customize and, and, and tailor their programs to to check all these boxes, you know. And so uh, the good thing for me is I didn't have to think too much. I just had to kind of follow along and, you know, do what they sort of uh, advise us to do. And when I cross check it with my CPA and with my uh, my CFO, they're like, yeah, oh my God, this is a no brainer. You just go for it, you know? Yep. Um, so it, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I mean, I, I think um, when you are able to maximize, um, you know, what's available to you, you know, and, and then the, these are all things that um, I'm assuming that the, the, the government's encouraging you to do because this just helps stimulate the economy and get people going, um, you know, stimulate the manufacturing business. And a lot of this equipment, believe it or not, is actually made in the USA because, um, you know, I don't know if you're aware, but uh, when it comes to caps and miles, not many countries do that anymore. We're one of the few countries, maybe outside of Canada, that still do this. Um, a lot of other countries actually use a lot more blister packs and pouches and whatnot, which do use equipment, but um, but it's just a little bit different. So, Hey, um, I could talk to the three of you all day, <laughs> but we are actually out of time. This has been absolutely amazing for us to get back together Scotty, it is so nice to see you. We gotta meet up more Thank often. Thank you, Todd. Once a year, um, we gotta see each other. Maybe at a at an upcoming conference. Uh, Ken, you and your tribe and your crew, the the pharmacy nine eight six. You guys are rock stars. Keep doing what you're doing. Your your patients need you. This community needs you. And I know that our pharmacy industry needs you. What you do for the CPHA? A shout out to the California Pharmacists Association. We love that association out there and what you guys are doing. Largest association in the in the country for for a pharmacy association too so the big guys so um we're excited about what's happening in pharmacy and community pharmacy check out rxsafe.com once again go to rxsafe.com to learn more about this and with that i want to say goodbye to everybody thank you uh scotty thank you uh bonnie and most of all thank you ken for what you do and for joining us today Thanks, Thank, Thank you, Ken. Thank, Thank you, you guys. Bye-bye. See you soon. See you next time. Here.